happy podcasting day, everybody. Gentlemen, congratulations on the great win over the reigning Super Bowl champions. Well done. Applause for everyone. I, I mean, about that whole Super Bowl thing. it was the shell of a Super Bowl team, but you know what? The great thing about the NFL is a win is a win is a win. Goddamn right. Because any given Sunday or something. I mean, we future. we were almost on the opposite end of that any given Sunday, but um, <laughs> I also th- I kept waiting for I kept waiting for Zeb's three score win to happen. I was promised a. Three I told score. you if we don't win by three scores, we're trash. What yeah, does that say? Right. Maybe he meant three points. So, I I want to just kind of talk about real quick. The one thing that has always irked me is that everyone's talking about like, oh, the Rams are missing their quarterback. They're missing Aaron Donald. They're missing their wide receiver. Yes, all three of those players are either Pro Bowl or All Pro level, so uh, phenomenal players. But it's not like Seattle is like the the like the epitome of healthy there there's a lot of players that seattle's missing as well that would make us a much better team i, I always hate that because our injuries happened Wait, earlier in the year that would make us a much better team i think jamal adams would make us a better team i think having I healthy disagree. running backs and i think also having rashad uh penny would would make us a better team Not we started that. the game with kenneth walker and i would say kenneth walker at this point is at least a at least even, maybe even an upgrade. But if, if you have Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny, don't you think that would make the team much more dynamic and therefore better? I mean, if one of them would just stay healthy, I'd just have you with one. But I know. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're, yeah. <laughs> so that's my pet peeve. My pet peeve is to treat it like, oh, Seattle just has been like this like specimen of health this year and they haven't had any obstacles with their teams. Like, no, that's yeah, not true like- at all. Yeah, like I legitimately feel like Jamal Adams being out. Okay, I would actually have said like Ryan Neal being out because I feel, and I, I can't prove this obviously, but I feel like Jamal Adams out and Ryan Neal in actually makes us better. Penny to Kenneth Walker had Walker been healthy all game, I feel like that's 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 a that's a push. So I don't, I think we are kind of healthy. So I mean, now we're not because we don't have any running backs. Like as far as I can tell, my friend Yumi is going to play running back this Sunday because we don't have anybody left. Exactly. Um, and it doesn't help that like our entire team got the flu like that previous week. So my minor gripe, again, this is a national thing where Seattle will never get credit for the adversity that it faces. It'll just say like, oh, well, yeah, like, of course they, they made it through. Of course they did. It's never like, wow, PKL's doing an amazing job. I can't believe he's doing all these things. It's kind of like, oh, you proved us wrong. Okay, well, that was expected. Let's move on. Talk about, you know, you're playing some JV team. So how come you're not winning by four scores instead of, you know, a late a late game comeback? Minor grapes. Well, but that's what happens when you live in Seattle, man. Like yeah. you're so isolated. Once you guys learn English and everything, though, you, you'll be more incorporated. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, it was a ridiculously entertaining game. It was... Closer than I think either of all any of us would have liked, but it was fun. It was great to see, and it was a really, really nice win for the Seahawks, to be sure. I'll take it. I mean, Zeb, you <clears throat> predicted the three-score game. I predicted a close game where the Seahawks would not cover, and but they would win. So I, I feel, I feel vindicated in that way. Well, yeah, you were right, but to me, what that says is the team isn't as good as I wanted them to be. That's what it says to me. Is or maybe a- it just means that we always overestimate like the the gap actually between 
what it means on the football field when somebody's like really good and they're backup. Like I think people do that consistently. That's definitely I think the gap between the starter and the backup has shrunk. Over I mean, like John Wolford or whatever, like that dude's a backup, but he's still like one of the top, presumably hundred best quarterbacks in the country out of three hundred and thirty right. million people. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but but <clears throat> we also see like that that drastic drop between a great quarterback that people want to build their franchise around and a guy that is one hundred percent a backup. Like that last right. throw, that <laughs> right. last throw, like I feel like yeah. I could have thrown that ball just as far as he did. And it looked like he put his entire body into it. It was flat and yeah. you know, my well, my favorite whipping boy, Cody Barton, was just there. Like I mean he could have batted it down, but hey, he got a pick, so good for him. That's Stats, buddy. Yeah, yeah, stats, stats galore. I just feel like, like the difference between like a Mahomes and a Wolford, it doesn't always show up like in the the yardage or the scores. It just shows up in wins. That's how you tell the quality teams. I think, I think that's not only the wins, but it's the the moment. So I don't know if anyone watched the Tampa Bay New Orleans game. Um, <gasps> That, that game was ridiculous. It's like, how did how did the Saints lose that game? They had a two-score lead with, like, what, six minutes left? <laughs> it's like, like, for 54 minutes, Tom Brady couldn't do anything. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then for six minutes, he couldn't not do anything. What? And, yeah. then, and then, like, on second and long, Mark Ingram, I can't remember how he gets the ball, but apparently he's injured, and he... He mm. he stopped short of a first down. Had they gotten that first down, it would have milked another two minutes off the clock, and the 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 Bucks wouldn't have had enough time. But he, he apologized. He's he he's, he, he's injured. Apologized. He injured. He's injured. He's playing when he shouldn't be, which is you know kind of what we saw in our game. He falls short. They decide to go long, and I think the play got blown up. I thought it was a helmet to helmet, but they called it as a clean hit and. Uh, that would have sealed the game. But instead of like trying to convert that short down, maybe they didn't have any more running backs like Seattle. They go for it long. They go for the kill shot and they lose. They punt the ball and then Tampa comes back and store, scores twice. In you would think with Taysom Hill on your team, you would figure something out. Yeah, like do what do what they did to Seattle and just run him outside because he's gonna outrun right, the like, linebacker. What, put all your offensive linemen out there and Taysom Hill in in a wildcat formation and just run straight. Yeah. So crazy things happen, and I think that's that's that like gap. It, it is so small, but in the moment, it is so big, and I think we saw that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later with Gino. But um, there was definitely some other shenanigans in this game. I feel like we should talk about the refereeing. Like, the interception where Bobby literally stole the ball. I'm still having a hard time trying to understand. The thought process. It's not just the thought process, but, like, what is a catch now? Because usually it's, like, you're down by contact immediately. There is no, like, oh, grace period of, like, when it is a catch and when it's not. They're on their back. The ball is not touched the ground. It should be okay. Exactly. Like if possession, possession, possession is not a progressive there. thing. It's like you either have possession or you don't. And once you're down, it doesn't matter what happens afterwards because you're down and possession can't be changed. I feel like they said, well, he never maintained possession long enough. And at that time there, the ball hadn't touched the ground. So the ball could be stolen and therefore it's a live ball. 
Like, I, I have a problem with that logic. I mean, I can see that. I mean, I can see the steps there, but the, the thing is, like, if he's on his back and the ball's in his hand, and then normally he would just be down right there. So, like, that's the play. Right. It's It doesn't... If Bobby, Wagner's not, never if Bobby that. Wagner's not there, that's a catch. As soon as he's on the ground, he's it's got it in his hands. So if that's a catch at that point, but now we add in another element. There's a person there who takes it away from him, but that's too late. Like yeah. it's already a down well, they, ball. They basically uh, just said that he never had full possession. So and since it was in bounds, it was in the field of play. It wasn't along the sidelines. There's time to to lay on the ground and juggle the ball before it's considered a completed. I mean, yeah, I mean you can, but that's not what happened though. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's. I can see. I think it's it's a bad. It's a bad decision. I can see it being close. I get it. Obviously, I would have liked to it <laughs> to have turned out the other way. Right. But um, I don't it's know. Very it's, frustrating. it's one of those things where on the replays, you know, you're supposed to look for like obvious proof, right? Right. And not like still kind of be guessing whether or not something happened. And you're and, meant to watch the replay at full speed because that's the whole thing. Like, if it's not obvious at full speed... Yeah, if the half-second catch is prolonged to five seconds, like, well, that ball's moving around an awful lot. Tony chimes in, he, Tony chiming in saying it was a BS call, elbow down, hip down, on his back, then Bobby got it. So that's... T- Tony, that's how I saw it. I said, like, yes, it is a split second, but that's how you rule a catch. It's when you are down by contact, it's not a continuous thing. It's like... Once you have possession, you have possession. It's just like the idea that you, the ground cannot cause a fumble. It doesn't matter how it happens. It doesn't you don't get like this prolonged like review to say like, well, he was rolling the ball, so he was he, he could kick it around. It's like no, you're down. Um, right. But I mean, you know, I, I feel like that was the game that like the NFL world wanted Bobby to win. They wanted to say, like, oh, look, Seattle made a mistake by letting this guy go. Um, I noticed a few times that Bobby was not doing a great job when he had to play in space with people behind him. Like, the touchdown to Tyler Lockett, um, that was over Bobby's head. I mean, I don't expect Bobby to, like, know what's behind him, but that's the critique that I have with Cody Barton is, like, you know, he, he doesn't do a good job of, like, playing with all of that space, you know? He seems like he's someone who is a little bit better when he's playing closer to the line of scrimmage and more of attacking, and that's really what Bobby did in this game. But I, I definitely saw some flaws that, you know, Bobby in coverage, he's not that sideline-to-sideline side speed guy because uh, there are a lot of passes that went past him, and yeah, he can catch up to him eventually, but he's not, like, chasing him down. And I mean, his game has changed. He's, it is. I mean, we talked about it last year. Right? Last year, Bob... Bobby single-handedly reveals to the world that uh, all of a sudden I forget his name. Tennessee's running back, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry can't actually catch the ball. Like we, Bobby Wagner, like introduced that element to Derrick Henry's game by wow. not being able to cover anymore. But he's still like super savvy. He he knows what's going on. So he he's lost some speed. He's lost some coverage ability. But he's 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 super savvy. He's seen everything. So he can still make some cool plays. And he's got some straight ahead speed. So he can still do some plays. But yeah, he's not. I mean, like the Seahawks are right. Like he wasn't going to take a giant cut and pay to be with us. 
but he wasn't worth what his salary was anymore. So we made the right move, but I think the Rams made the right move. He's actually a good, useful piece for them. Yeah, I mean, they have him for two more years, so they're... they're, they're Dude, he had two sacks. He never had two sacks in the game for us. I think he's one of those things... uh, motivated. I mean, the first sack yeah. was the coverage sack. I think he just saw that, like, you know, the, everything was kind of bottled up. Because he, he wasn't blitzing on that first one. It was like a coverage sack for sure, where nothing's happening. Bobby didn't have any responsibility, so he just attacked Gino, and Gino didn't have a chance to scramble. So, credit to Bobby. It shows his savvy. But that's him playing towards the line of scrimmage, towards the quarterback, as to pl- playing, you know, in space behind him. And, you know, not every middle linebacker is going to be, like, this amazing coverage guy. So... I do think that it was good to see him perform so well, and it was great to see Seattle play and win. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of ideal for me. Sorry, Zeb, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying yes. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed like watching like as long as it didn't like cost us the game. I enjoyed watching Bobby have a good game. Yeah, I watched him like also like hang out before the game with some players and stuff like that. I thought it was cool. I mean, if you compare, like, how that went with Russ's homecoming, like, when he, the first time Russ played against us, very different situation, isn't it? Yeah, like, I don't think anybody's, gonna... nobody's going to boo Bobby. No, yeah. not at all. And, and obviously, it's very different circumstances where Bobby didn't have the choice. You know, I think he acts a little bit, a little bit, like, sour, because, again, no one wants to be cut, and he wanted everything kind of dictated in his turn because he felt he owed it and whether or not that happened he didn't ask to be let go whereas russ actively was trying to get out of seattle so yeah i think bobby clearly wanted to retire with the same team that drafted him Um, yeah yeah but i think he wanted to be like those old school linebackers like yeah yeah. so of course there's there's going to be some feelings there but ultimately you saw with all the players and even with coach pete like there was nothing but love between them all so did you see... i mean listening to pete carroll talk about him after the game was like it really kind of touched me did you he see... talked about how well bobby played and everything and it was cool to see and it was really god it just it, like just the wisdom and I mean, it sounds so it's a hunky like weird word we don't use anywhere but like the wisdom and of, of pete carroll at his age how he's got a different perspective and everything it's really cool to listen to him talk about that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, the Seahawks Twitter account posted a picture of Pete and Bobby after the game. Bobby was wearing a black t-shirt that had Jimi Hendrix and the Space Needle on it and said Seattle. So obviously there's still a lot of love between not only the coach and Bobby and also the city. So it will be great to see when he returns to Seattle and uh, in the final week of the year when the Rams come to town. But, uh, it's probably got, Seattle's like next mayor. Yeah. All right. So we we're, we gotta we're gonna move ahead. But the Seahawks bounce back, and Gino proves the Downers for one week uh, that they were wrong, as he led the team on a comeback win, and that the defense was able to hold out. This wasn't the best version of the Ram, but a win is a win is a win. The run defense continues to drive fans crazy, as the Rams looked like they were able to do anything they wanted on the ground, but the pass rush and the secondary. For the Seahawks definitely showed some great flashes. Tariq Willen keeps getting tested, but came out ahead with his league-leading sixth interception. The team tries to take advantage of these final five weeks as they fight for the NFC West. This is the HawksCast.net podcast. And gentlemen, we are going to go to topic number one. Ross, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the second shot at this one. We're going to start with Zeb on this one. And this is a key one. Zeb, can we put to rest the 
quote-unquote, Gino doesn't have a game-winning drive. Quite literally, <laughs> because he does now. Um, and I have to say that that was huge for me. It's kind of one of the things that I've harped on him on is his seeming inability to finish. And um, he did it. He made it happen. I, I actually felt confident in, in him. I felt like he was going to be able to make it work, and he did. So um, now he's probably going to have to do some more, and hopefully that happens. But uh, good on him to get that done, despite whatever the uh, circumstances may have been surrounding this game and who was healthy and who's not. He won the game when it mattered, and it was great. I'm, I'm, I'm extra glad that he got that touchdown to DK, too, because DK played like a man this weekend. And he deserved that touchdown. So it was awesome. So Toddy chiming in says the first one in like seven years. To be fair, he's only started like 14 games in that span. So it's not like he's had all the chances. Um, yeah, I, I was talking about during the game. They had such a misleading stat. They're like, he hasn't had a game when he drive in eight years. I'm like, well, yeah. But he sat on the bench for six and a half of those. Yeah, I mean, he also I, hasn't really finished... No, for us in those types of situations. So, so, so of of the past four games, so this is the fifth game that it's a one score game, and he has the ball in his hands. This is the first time he's won. Now, in the last game, he was able to to score and get the go ahead score with five minutes left. But to Ross's point, it's about what happens under the two minutes, and the defense wasn't able to hold. The defense held this time, but obviously Seattle just did a really good job of milking the clock. I want to show, I just want to go quickly in the second half. So the Seattle, these are the drives they had. Four plays a fumble, eight plays field goal, seven plays interception, 11 plays field goal, 10 plays touchdown, and then they take the knee. So outside of the fumble and the interception, those two opportunities, the Seahawks were driving, but the fumble, I think Tyler Lockett needs to play that ball. He needs to just assume it's a live ball and not just let it run by him. The interception, Bobby just stole the ball and they gave it to him. Um, but Ross, can we put to rest, Gino doesn't have a game-winning drive? Uh, I think I think, I think it, that's totally <laughs> fine. For a week, I think I want to just kind of like paint a picture. We were talking during the game, we were chatting with each other, and we said, all right, this is the moment, and, Ro and Ross, to your credit, said, like, I want Gino to prove me wrong. Whether you meant that facetiously or not, you put that statement out there, did he prove you, prove you wrong for at least one week? Yeah, I mean, yes, he did, I, I, and I'm happy, and I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm encouraged, and all I, but like, the NFL, as opposed to college or high school, whatever else, it's about consistency, right? So I, that doesn't mean you have to do everything 100% every single time, but I think I'll feel a little bit more comfortable when I've seen him do it, like, more than once. Um, I, but I'm super encouraged because, like I said, for me, it wasn't just the fact that he hadn't done it or, like, it was the fact that I was... And I still am. I, I want to see it more than, more than one time because... I still have that concern more than just like a game when you drive. What I was sort of getting at last week is that when it matters the absolute most, when it matters somewhat, he seems to elevate the four minute drive, the five minute drive, like those second to last drives. Cool. 
But once the pressure's turned all the way up, it doesn't seem not just that he doesn't quite get there. That seems to be when he reserves his biggest mistakes for up to this point, including last year and this year. And so to see him succeed in that situation when the pressure was on the highest and not fold and not give in um, was a lot. Was a lot. Is it everything? No, it's one time. And also, I'd like to see like the body language still just like calm down just a little bit more. He gets a little excited. So I just want, I want him to be the person calming everyone else down in the, the huddle. I don't want to see Tyler Lockett looking at him and like looks like in the huddle like Tyler Lockett's going like Gino take a breath. Um, you know, and he uh, did it. He did I, it. He did it. It was great. I just want to see it again. I don't, Please let me I, see it again. I don't remember that. What what part of the game did you it's see? Not, Gino not, was it, like super animated. It wasn't a big radio focus. It wasn't a big. It wasn't. It wasn't like they 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 stopped and showed it. There's not like a big. Nobody made a big deal. No, but you can see like in the huddle. It's not everybody looking to Gino and Gino saying, "Hey, we got this." Look at the huddle. Watch the huddles. Um, there's people like looking at Lockett sometimes, and there's Lockett coming over real quick, and like it's Lockett. Normally, he's on the opposite side of the huddle, but there's a, like a huddle where he moves over, and he's in the huddle next to Gino, and he's got his arm on Gino, and he's like, so he's kind of helping out a little bit there, uh, and that's cool, that's fine. Like Lockett is far and away the most experienced person on the offense now, right? The old man at 29. I mean, Gino's older, but he doesn't have the playing experience. He doesn't maybe have some of that, you know street cred or whatever so it's the two old dudes in the huddle talking maybe maybe, maybe that's all it was Do you maybe think there was there's a component of, of, the, of the fact that tyler's the captain on the team i mean well that again that's that speaks that speaks to the situation though doesn't it normally when you've got a 32 year old starting quarterback you don't even have to take the vote he's the captain but in our situation because of gino's career path and career trajectory um it's it's locket Lockett is the captain. And so, but if I want to be looking forward to the future and I want to make, I want to have full confidence. Again, I'm not trying to downplay what he did. He 100% did. I feel 85% better. I'm just saying it's the NFL. You can't just do it once, right? It's consistency. That's the big thing. There's a Will Fuller, that great wide receiver. He's out of the league now because he can't consistently do it. You have to do it weak, and it's now your job. It's not you're not a student athlete. It's now your job, and I have to do my job every day. And Tony has to do his job every day, and even Zeb has to do his job every day. So, I I think you do too, Sammy. Um, yeah, we'll and see. so that's the thing. <laughs> so that's and that's all I want to say. It's like yeah, I've seen it once, and so I know he can do it. So I know you can do it. That's great. That's that's a good hurdle. That's that's a good hurdle to overcome. I know you can do it. Now, now, just show it to me that it's that. Make it so it's not something I have to put on my podcast as a topic every week. Make it so it's just something we we just know. You know what I mean? So, like, he did it. So it's so like he, it's so noteworthy that we're talking about it two weeks in a row. So let's make it so it's not noteworthy. Let's just talk about let's talk about how other things about how great he is, right? And like, so like that's all I want. I want to get to the point where we're like. We don't even stress about it. Like once upon a time, remember 10 a.m. games, and we'd all freak out because it's a 10 a.m. game. The home grenade, like, yeah, right. The home the home, era. But 
and and then, and then we were so traumatized by it by the first three four years of, of of Carol's era. It's still something we would talk about every week. Oh my god, it's a ten a.m. game, and now we don't even mention it. Yeah, that's what I want. I don't even have to worry about it. If, if Gino's got the ball with two minutes left and I need a field goal, I know he's going to get it. Because he can. He can be that guy. Everything else is in place. It's just the mental aspects. So as soon as that's done, man, I'm, I'm, I, I will agree with you guys and say, okay, give him the 35. That's but that, So actually, that's a great segue into what I would say. So I've always been definitely someone who's much more optimistic about Gino. Not that there's like a huge gap between what all of us think. But once you get to that point where, like, oh, yeah, Gino's automatic. Like, in a, in a clutch game, Gino's going to be the guy. He's going to get us a score. If you get to that level, you are franchise $40 million a year quarterback. Because there's no quarterback that a team would allow to walk. If you could say, like, hey, we're going to give you the ball. We're down a field goal. We're down a touchdown. We're down whatever. We've got two minutes and you know maybe a timeout or two you you need to drive down the field if that quarterback is automatic like what we used to see in russell wilson then that guy's getting all the money in the world no one would allow them to walk that guy would get whatever he wanted they would get their own office in the headquarters they'd get to bring in jake heaps (laughs) as their quarterback coach they'd get to use the team facilities to record commercials for their team gino whatever so my point of all of this is I, I, I agree with almost everything both of you had said. But what it comes down to is all of this is doing, this is just raising the price for Gino. Like, I remember when we were talking like week one or two, it's like, oh, Gino's not playing so bad. Maybe he's worth bringing back for like a two-year, $15 million a year contract. And now we're talking about like, man, we got to start thinking about like franchise tagging him as like the base level. And I know for for not only a few of us, but like for a lot of people out there, to go from a near vet minimum salary to a guaranteed value or guaranteed value of close to what a franchise tag makes, that's like a big gap for a lot of people. And I don't know if people... You know, made themselves a lot of money with that drive. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, if, if we see... Like, so we have five games left. The 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 way that Seattle has with the tiebreakers, where it's, it's a little bit kind of dicey because we have to win against the Niners, not this weekend, but next weekend. But the Niners are 4-0 in the division, and we're 3-1. So if we beat the Niners, we'll be 1-1, so it'll go down to division record. We need San Francisco to lose two division games in the NFC West and for Seattle to win out. So go 5-1 in the division. San Francisco finishes 4-2. Even with the same record, we would win the tiebreaker. Once it goes beyond division West NFC West record... It comes down to common opponents, and that's where Seattle loses the edge. So if Seattle wants to win, I feel like you're skipping the... ahead in our. I know. I feel like you're... I'm. I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. If Geno's the guy that gets you all of those wins that you need to get, and everything lines up well, it doesn't even matter about Geno and the game-winning drives. Geno's now the guy that's led you to a division when everyone thought you would be battling for the number one pick overall. And I think that in itself is amazing. And if it continues with this trend, the game-winning drives won't matter because it's about, well, at the end of the year, we're a 10-plus win team and you just won the division. Man, you got you to gotta keep him. You got to keep him locked up because your success is because he's here. It's not because our running game is great. It's not because our defense is great. It's because Gino's got the ball in his hands and he's doing great things with it. 
What's also exciting is that a lot of the key pieces besides Gino are either already locked in or they're on super cheap rookie contracts and we're about to get three or four more quality rookies with next year's draft. Yeah. So we can actually even we don't even have to choose, right, necessarily like like, you know, I've always I've long argued you don't necessarily need to sign this super premium quarterback because you can use that money for other stuff and still put together a team, but we don't have to. Like No, because you're flush with draft picks. Yeah, and you know, we have we have a left starting left corner uh left tackle that's a premium position, but he's on a five year deal. Like yeah. uh your first rounder and our, our right tackle's on a four year deal. Ricky contract. Yeah. Um our running back, you're on a four year deal. Like we're not gonna have to pay these dudes. Um, for a while. So, if you sign Gino for two or three years, it seems this seems like a really good window. It's a really good window. We we have to move ahead. We're going to go to topic number two. Ross, I want to kick it off to you. What's the bigger concern: the run defense or our lack of healthy running backs? Yes, mm-hmm. agreed. All right, topic number three. <laughs> uh. Um, for this week or for this season? However you want to answer the question. It's it's an open, open, open forum for you. I mean, it doesn't seem like anybody's like out, out, out. So for a week, we can, I mean, we're playing Carolina. So for a week, I can like, we can roll with Jones, who's not efficient, but whatever. And we can roll with Homer. I mean, maybe I'm a homer for saying homer's okay, but homer on, man. Um, so I'm actually a little bit more worried about the, the, the defense, but I watched, and like Pete Carroll talked about, like they made some adjustments after the second drive um, last Sunday, and it made a difference. Like They didn't like suddenly become like, you know, the Great Wall of China or something, but um, I don't know. Like, I didn't, it didn't bother me like last week, like... Um, because I felt like it was like sort of a conscious choice in some cases. Like you can only focus on so many things. So I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm saying I'm more concerned about the run defense. But I, you know, remember last week we talked about are these patterns, and I kind of decided it's not really a pattern. I don't the the the, the Tampa Bay game and the next game. I don't actually now see it as a pattern. I I think that certain things, certain choices went certain directions and that put us at a disadvantage but i don't think actually run defenses back into like crisis mode um i think if they use like their boston what they call their boston adjustments on things and all of a sudden and remember like i think ryan neal missing last game was a bigger deal than maybe we're thinking um ryan neal can move up into a box to strong safety but also still has the fleet of foot and the savvy enough to to still cover and pick up um, and his backup is maybe not. Um, but they did do that. I mean, they, they, they started bringing up the safeties after three or four drives, and it, and it, and it, it, was, it, it was different. Like, they didn't score, like, a billion points. Yeah, they, um, they only scored twice in the second half. A field goal ended that touchdown. Right, and that was partly because of some of the adjustments they made. And then you also, yeah, so... I, I don't I'm not feeling like I know on paper this week they're both in crisis but 
like with how Gina's playing, I and you know, and how the line is doing, I feel like we can get by for a game with Travis Homer and that Tony Jones dude. Tony, shout out. Um, shout out Tony. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's like a refugee from the Dallas Cowboys, but that doesn't mean he's terrible. The Cowboys were flushed with talent in the running back position, right? Yeah, Tony needs I've to got start a... wearing goggles. He cannot rely on contacts if they're going to get Chuck Muncy out. goggles? Yeah. Do you guys know who Chuck Muncy is? No, I no. don't know who that is, but the name sounds familiar. I assume it's like the goggles that like James Williams He was like wore. an amazing, he was an amazing running back for the Saints and the Chargers in the late 70s and early 80s and like totally coked out. <laughs> like, like just totally totally coked out but he was amazing um but he was cool anyway look that dude up chuck muncie was amazing uh yeah he should get the chuck muncie goggles totally eric dickerson goggles as well yeah mm-hmm. he wore them yeah he should get goggles anyway that's my uh take i'm not worried about either actually interesting that's uh that is certainly a take zeb what about you do you have a concern between the run defense or a lack of healthy running backs. <laughs> I'm definitely concerned about both, but I think I'm slightly more concerned about the run defense. Um, not necessarily for the same reasons. I kind of feel like our passing offense is prolific enough that we can kind of we can still win with a moderate running game. I mean, it's great to have those home run threats out there, guys like Penny and and uh, Kenny. That's awesome, but like, like look what they did when when you, when we have to throw. Look how many weapons we have, and look how good Geno still is at making it happen. So I feel like we're able to make up for the running backs in at least here and there, like in parts. Like you need you need guys that are healthy enough to play, but um, like even just like Tony Jones, obviously he he had like what like fourteen yards on seven carries. That's not great. But it was enough to know that they had to, you know, we were still going to try to run the ball no matter who's back there. So they had to account for that. And then Gino was kind of able to slice and dice them. And we got one of the best wide receiver combos in the league and 47 highly capable tight ends. Um, <laughs> lots, of, lots of stuff there to do with the ball on offense. So the defense, yeah, it wasn't as bad this week and maybe as it was the week or two before, but they still got a lot of yards on us. And um, they, while maybe they tightened things up throughout the game to a certain degree, it does. I don't. Uh, do, do you really see long-term solutions there for this season? I think it's going to continue to be um, something that we have to be concerned about for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I does just... that imply? Sorry, I have a question for Zeb. So we all like, like there's certain positions of football that lend themselves to being like the like the fan favorite, like fullback. And like the lunch pill dudes, right? And it's so like the defensive tackle. Like, so we talk about how we love Monet, how we like, you know, like there can't be a week that goes by where the announcers don't like, oh, Al Woods, oh, big Al Woods, okay. But run defense starts up front. So even though we evaluate and we like Monet and Al Woods, does if you think we're super like kind of screwed with our run defense, it's not going to get better. Is that an indictment of those two people? I mean, I think, I think we like those guys, but I don't think. Do you think they actually suck though? Confused that they're not upgradable those positions, right? You know, I, so like they're, they're better to go like, do a drinking with than to start on their team. <laughs> yeah, but I think they, I think they're capable, and I I don't know how much of this has to do with 
their individual talents versus scheme and game plan and all that. Uh, you'd think if it was more scheme-related, we would be able to make those adjustments and tighten things up, but they still put almost 200 yards on us on the ground. So something isn't working right. Yeah, right. my, my, my answer kind of leads us into topic number three, which is we'll talk about in a second, but I think the long-term season view that I would look at for this question, what's a bigger concern, our run defense or a lack of healthy running backs? I think it is a run defense because a team that's willing to commit to the run, like what we saw with Tampa, what we saw with the Las Vegas Raiders, and really what we saw with LA, there is a chance that, you know, we could get really burned. Gino has been amazing. Gino tossed the ball. 39 times last week. He was 28 for 39, which is an amazing number. He had three touchdowns, 116.1 quarterback rating. We only ran the ball when it when it wasn't Geno 20 times. So we have a consistently we're consistently passing way more than we are running. And this is not to say this week there was like there was a clear apparition with the fact that we had injuries at our running back. We didn't have any depth that day but that run defense i feel that is going to be our biggest vulnerability not only for this upcoming game but you know we have the niners in two weeks they don't have a quarterback they're going to play brock purdy he's mr irreverent but they're sure going to run the ball a ton and i think that is a concern because you at least with with the way that I think Seattle has shown they can win, it can't be so one-dimensional. You know, that's what we always were railing against Russ. It's like, it doesn't always have to be a 30-yard bomb. Gino, it's, you know, it's, you know, matriculating down the field, but it's still the same thing. You know, you get two interceptions and all, uh, two incompletes, and all of a sudden it's third and long. That's much harder to complete than it is, you know, third and three, where you have the run as a viable opportunity where you have play action, where you have all these things that you're disposable. But when it's third and long, it's kind of obvious. Okay. Well, this is a passing opportunity. Your blitzers are going to pin their ears back and they're going to come for the quarterback and you might not have the best pass protection. And that's where you could get burned. So I feel that that makes us more vulnerable than having healthy running backs because I think Gino's playing so well. Uh, and he's doing it in so many different ways. It's not just like deep bombs to DK or to Tyler. It's not just like these intermediate throws. He's doing it. Everything is really well. So I'm more concerned about the run defense and what that means for our remaining schedule. I concur. You guys are donors. Running backs don't matter. Uh, I, I, you know, I wanted to go there, but then I didn't want to start screaming at people on Twitter because... The whole idea that running backs don't matter is such a flawed logic. That's like saying my toes don't matter. It's like they obviously have some value in your ability to function as a human. Because if you didn't need them, no one would have toes. So I have I have a quick I have a quick Geno Smith trivia question for you. What is Geno Smith's real first name? It's it is it Eugene? Yes, it is. What's his middle name? I don't know his middle name. <laughs> his middle name is Cyril. 
Okay. And by the way, he's a third, which is funny. He doesn't put that up because so that's a big thing that about putting the third right, like da 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 near da 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 the third. You he's know... actually Eugene Cyril Smith the third, and I kind of wish he would go by Eugene because I don't like calling like him Gino. You know what it could be, and this is this is something that I'm not an expert in. It's when you don't go by like the full name. That's why you don't go by the third. Like, if he always went by Eugene Cyril Smith... Oh, that might be then, it. ...then he would say, but because his dad is Eugene, and he's Gino, and his, maybe his grandpa is, you know, Eugene, he is. that's why he doesn't go by the third. Okay, that makes sense, maybe. Anyway. I mean, Tony would know about this, but well, Tony. Tony named his kid after himself. Yeah, and, and he's, his son goes by Anthony instead of Tony, if I, if I recall correctly. But Tony no, says, distinguish. "Is it just is is it different?" I think it's to, no. I, I think that's just so they can distinguish, right? Because otherwise, everybody's like going, "Yes." Uh, no. so, yeah. to, anyway. Tony says his son has a different middle name, so technically he cannot be he can't oh. be a, he can't be a junior because he can't be a junior. Yeah, right. I didn't realize that. Anyway, okay. well, let's. Move I'm, on. I'm feeling very educated on the junior and the third process. Thank you, thank you, Gino, for bringing that into my life. Genealogy time on the Hawks. <laughs> Gino, Gino's genealogy. Exactly. All right, let's move on to topic number three. This is the Hawks Cast Corner. Zeb, can the Seahawks secure the NFC West? They have five games. They have a game remaining against the Niners in two weeks. They have the Rams to close out their season at the end of the year to try and overtake the Niners should they be tied with uh, the same record. They could take a division lead if the Niners lose two. But can the Seahawks secure the West? They can. Are you um, confident? That's maybe the more, more important <laughs> That was question. not a confident voice. I, I am like, not super check confident. Check that voice out. I think we have an interesting schedule coming up. I think that... Whether or not we can beat the 49ers is going to play a big role. Um, I think that might be the most important thing is if we can beat them, that puts us in a great position. If we can't, it's going to be a super tough road. Now, they're traveling their own super tough road at this point. They've had the worst luck this season. Um, But somehow they kind of keep doing well, and they got that strong defense. So... Looking at our schedule, it's it, it's interesting. There's a lot of different things that could happen there. It's going to be tough no matter what. Um, but I think that's that that that's really the key. The key is can we beat the 49ers? Um, and if we do, I think that puts us in a great position um, to to get this division. Um, and even if we don't get the division, I feel still think we have a really good shot at making the playoffs. But obviously, the division is the goal. They're right there in front of us two weeks from now or whenever it is, Thursday night. Um, I, th- I think we'll, we'll know. We'll know at the end of Thursday night what the rest of the season is probably, what the division's probably going to look like. Wait, is the 49ers game a Thursday night game? Yeah. Yeah. Friday, Friday for me? Yeah. It's uh, the day before my trip. Oh, oh right. Oh, dude, that's you just you missed. You could have watched the game with me over here. What are you doing? Wow, uh, <laughs> blame the the vacation schedule because that's one of the few games. And when it's a night game, then man, that's like that's a human time. Like I can watch those games with people. Like it can be it, it would it'll be at ten fifteen in the morning. 
<laughs> I mean, it's well, not my favorite. All right, well, Ross, what about you? Can the Seahawks secure the West? Man. Um, so I guess this comes down to talking about Purdy, right? What Brock do we think of Purdy, Purdy Mr. Irrelevant? If you you have kept our line chats. If you go all the way back to August, you're gonna find a line chat where I said, "Damn, the 49ers' last draft pick, Purdy, looks pretty good." Um, so he does look pretty good, and and he does Purdy looks pretty good. Uh, ow. he looks like a insurance salesman. He does not look like a football guy. Well, a lot of quarterbacks don't look like football guys. I mean, Garoppolo doesn't. He looks like he should be like an underwear model for J.C. Penney's catalog, right? Yeah. Like, he's got, like, borderline good looks. Like, he's, like, he looks good, but not, like, runway good. Like, J.C. Penney's catalog good. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, um, But anyway, like, so, so that's, I mean, let's, let's, let's lay it out. 49ers are playing the Buccaneers, who beat us. Then they play us. Then they play the Commanders, the Raiders, and the Cardinals. So, Buccaneers, we just saw like man, they're resilient. They started the game. They started the season really bad, and there's like some bias, and I think it left over in our minds because even when we lost, we felt like we should have won. But the Buccaneers are coming around. They're actually peaking now. They're getting better, right? Right. Um, they're playing us, and okay, we're a little bit hard to read. We lost those two games, but then we won a game. We can win any week, but we can lose any week. Let's just lay us to that for now. Then 49ers are going to play the Commanders, which, again, is another team we, we tend to think suck, but they don't suck. I don't, think, I like, don't think the Commanders suck. No, like they're, and again, like they're, they have beat some legit teams. They've come around. They're a little bit, they're like on a mini roll right now. The Raiders, the Raiders, we were embarrassed because we lost to them. We're like, gosh, these people suck. That dude with the eyeliners crying a couple weeks ago. How did we lose? But look out! They've lost, they've won three in a row now, and they've they've done really well with those three in a row. Like they're scoring points, they're motivated, and so that's not a rollover for the 49ers either, in my opinion. And then there's the Cardinals, and that's a division game, and so who knows? But I mean, the 49ers will probably be super motivated because it's probably going to come down to that week for like stuff. But so they won't be sitting people. But I mean, 49ers have a difficult schedule, and so do we. It's there's no gimmies. Um so we've got a chance. I don't think that people who celebrated immediately seeing like Purdy's gonna start all their games have seen him play. But at the same time, once there's more film on him, he does have certain limitations. He can't make all the throws. If you watch the last game, I mean he did he did great. And like they threw the ball a ton considering it's a Mr. I don't even like saying Mr. Irrelevant because Mr. Irrelevant was back when it was a 12 or 15 round draft. It's seventh round. Everybody's relevant, right? I mean, um, if you can get into the game, you're relevant. So, I mean, how often even does like a seventh rounder not make a team at all anymore? Like it's not like, so anyway, uh, I, you know, he's not as bad as some people are thinking. He doesn't look exactly like a rookie, but more than that, I think by after there's a little bit more tape on it, teams will be able to scheme against him because he's not a quarterback who can make all the throws. That's why he was, you know, seventh round pick. His arm is limited. He's a really smart dude. He's one of these classic dudes that's going to be like a backup quarterback for like 10 years and he's going to go into coaching. And when I'm an old man, like we're going to hear him as a head coach. He's one of those like really cerebral dudes. Um, but yeah, he's limited. So once there's tape, I feel like better and I feel like the Cardinals and 
and the Seahawks and some of these like the like Tampa Bay Buccaneers may be in a little bit of a tough spot this week because like that dude just playing with house money. He never expected to start this year. He's going to be loose and just going to be playing, man. Um, and nobody's going to know what he can do at this level. He's like six one, maybe just a hair under, two hundred eight pounds. He's not really big, dude. He's a Drew Brees. He, I mean, he's a guy who probably owes part of his career uh, to Russell Wilson. Like before, before Russell Wilson and partly Drew Brees, he would not have even been drafted. Like now, there's a little bit more open mind towards people his size. Um, but we'll see. I think the forty the Forty ers could lose a couple of these games down the stretch, and if if we play how we can play, I think there's every chance. I would say there's a forty percent chance we win the division. Forty percent. That's actually pretty high, I would say. Yeah, because I think there's a chance. Like Purdy plays pretty decent for what he is, but just can't quite win. Like it's going to be tough, like for Purdy to beat Brady. It's going to be hard for them to like beat us. I think actually, I think it's going. They're going to have a between the the Commanders and the Raiders. I think they win one of those games, uh, and then I think they win the Cardinals. So like, it's just going to come down to like the next three games, really, three four games, right? Right. Obviously, that's almost the whole thing. But I just, it's, it's, if Seattle can play to their potential and not make the dumb, like, don't put money inactive and just, like, telegraph your game plan or telegraph what you're expecting. Um, if we don't make dumb mistakes like that, I'm, I'm interested to think, and I, I really do think 40% chance that we overcome them. Interesting. I think that, yeah, obviously it's possible. They're, in contention to get a playoff spot they're currently the seven seed um it really sucks that the giants and the commanders tied because having the tiebreaker over the giants would have been awesome but the tie kind of totally negates that but uh tony's saying washington d is legit offense is defense and that uh i don't know if he was saying uh that washington will beat arizona but uh he's saying someone's gonna beat arizona which not really surprising like they're like, we get the Rams again, and we get the Jets, but the Jets aren't a walkover anymore. The biggest thing also, the, the Chiefs sitting right in the middle of our five games. Right. Right. I think well, that's in their stadium on Christmas. Well, my Christmas. Yeah. It's, uh, that, 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 Christmas. that game is, I, I think most of us are chalking that up as a loss for the Seahawks. But the four games, every, every other four, the other four games, none of them are gimmies. But none of them are impossible games to win. I, I, Agreed. I, think, I think that's what makes this end of the year so important. But that also puts a lot more stress on Seattle because to get to 10 wins, which seems to be the number that will get you into the playoffs, a 10-7 and 7 record, which would be amazing, you have to win three of your four games against the Panthers, the Niners, the Jets, and then the Rams. The Rams, they don't have a whole lot to play for. They don't have great draft picks, so losing or they've winning, got Baker Mayfield. Losing or winning really doesn't help them. Like you know, I I don't think they're going to just roll over. But it's not a team that is like nothing to play for as well. The Jets, I don't think they're a great team. But if they roll out, you know, uh, Zach Wilson, I think that will be great. But you know, Mike White might be their guy for the rest of the year, and that's a very different team all of a sudden. I think the fact that we can still talk about the Seahawks as a potential playoff contender in Week 14 is something that most of us 
would not have expected. Um, I go back to, I had my my ceiling at nine wins, and the fact that we are two wins away from that, that's pretty amazing. So I think the Seahawks can win the West. It does require that they kind of take it a week at a time, and this, this is a game that can really prove that against a team that they should win on paper against on paper, but any given Sunday definitely could come into play. Uh, final thoughts on the NFC West before we go to topic number four. Nothing. I got nothing. Thunk. Right. Who'd have thunk? All right. Let's go to topic number four, the Carolina Panthers. And this is a very different Carolina Panthers because all the Carolina Panthers that we've faced over the years, Cam Newton, Luke Keekley, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Ron Rivera, all those guys are gone. It's a totally different team. Um, but Ross, will the Seahawks split the NFC South because they are currently one and two against the NFC South this year, or will the, or will the Panthers run all over us? How do you see this game playing out and how would Seattle win? How would Carolina win? It might be another game where we need some heart medicine our medication because I feel like they're going to, you know, they'll have some success with the run that helps you control the clock that helps shorten the game. Um, I, I see it kind of looking a little bit similar to last week, to be honest. Um, we, we have the talent advantage over them in my opinion. Um, but you know, we've seen like scheme and smart play can mitigate that to some degree. And it's funny, like, um, once they lost their quote-unquote best player, they've played a lot better. Their running game is better once they lost CMC. Yeah, maybe because uh, he's not that good. I mean, it's, this happens quite a bit. It feels like teams like have added by what added by subtraction quite a bit. We're better this year than last year, aren't we? Yeah, it's weird. Um, so I, I, I just I see a similar game. They're gonna try to run. We're going to try to stop it. We'll be have some success, but not complete success because they're going to commit to it. They have some um, decent receivers. Obviously, DJ Moore used to be quarterback proof, and uh, we'll see how he goes. He's, and, he's playing and, a lot better with Sam, Sam Darnold than anyone else. Yeah. Um, and they also have uh, Terrace Marshall, who's come around. He was super disappointed with last year. Big disappointment the first half this year, but he also seems to be coming around a little bit. And they brought in that gadget guy. Uh, I forget his name. It's sort of a Russian-sounding name. Chenault's, uh, oh, like French last name. Chenault. Yeah, Chenault Jr. Chenault or whatever. That guy. That guy, like, gadget player, but he, you know, he can he can do some things. So we're going to, that's why they'll have some success with running. Because like, you have to watch out for the fly sweep for them. You have to um, you have to respect DJ Moore. It doesn't even matter if the, he's the only receiver out there. You have to respect him because that guy, he's super legit and super underrated. So, I mean, I expect Tariq Wool to be on him most of the day. Um, so they'll have some success because they can scheme things right. And uh, but I, It'll be a tight game, but I think we'll, we should come out ahead. So their last game, uh, real quick, Zeb, is, uh, was against the Denver Broncos, and they won that game. Pretty handily. It was it was it was twenty three to three before Russell Wilson scored a one yard touchdown with three minutes left. So it was the game that they were controlling handily. 
And they ran the ball 45 times to 19 throws. Is that is that a concern, Zeb? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um I mean, honestly, I I've been looking forward to this game for for three or four weeks now. For some reason, just what I've seen from the Panthers, which admittedly isn't a lot, it just looks like it's going to be a fun game. I, they're going to give us everything they got, and I think we're going to do the same, and I think it's going to be interesting, but it's going to be fun football. I'm I, I'm, I'm expecting um, a lot of highlights out of this one. Well, highlights and lowlights <laughs> for both teams. Um, but, yeah, the again, the, the run defense concerns me, and the stat that you just brought up plays into that pretty well. So, um. I think we can win. I think we should win, but I think it's going to be difficult, and I think it's going to be entertaining. And I that the I think the theme of this season is just how much entertaining football we've got to watch. So I think that's going to continue. The point spread for this game is three and a half points. Seattle is a three and a half point favorite, which means they're, it's almost a pick 'em because the home team usually gets about three points. So it will be interesting to see what this game is because, as both of you have mentioned, it's Carolina's not a great team. There's a reason why they're 4-8. and eight. They're not great at any one thing. But the thing that I feel like they could be good at is bad news for Seattle. Now, their defense is pretty bad. I'm not worried about Geno or our offense. I would love to make sure we had viable and healthy running backs to, like, play on the field but I think Gino would be fine I think the offense would be fine I am worried about if we have a scenario where the game is closer and we play tight because this is a game that we kind of like get into our head like oh this is a cakewalk that we will falter and this will be a very very bad showing now, I don't think Seattle's shown that game. That's maybe just more of my own personal fear of what could happen because I'm so worried about that run defense. But you look at statistically every category. The only thing that the Panthers are really better than Seattle is um, points per game. They give up 22.2 points per game, but they only score 19.2. Seattle gives up 25.3, but we score 26.5. So we have more yards, we have better offense, our running game is surprisingly almost as good as theirs, and yeah, the, the statistically it looks like it should be an easy win for Seattle, and maybe that's why I'm afraid. Maybe I want to see a little bit more adversity, it's like, oh yeah, we really got to pick ourselves up this game, we can't rest on our laurels. Um, I mean, they don't have a quarterback, and that's a major disadvantage for them. But if they don't pass the ball, does it really matter? Like if they can just keep getting yeah, like two because, and like, four yards we, on the ground? If if we can securely, securely like bring um if we can make a seven, eight man box and say come at us and as long as cause here's where here's where somebody like Tariq Willen helps, because you can probably put him uh, and with some attention from like this uh, roll of safety, but not do true double coverage. Put Tariq Willen on DJ uh, Moore, and then I think you can put safely eight in the box uh, at first, at least at the beginning, 
And if they actually are able to accomplish something with the passing, okay, fair enough. But I think their lack of a quarterback, because I, I, I even respect the receivers, like I mentioned a minute ago, but I don't think that uh, the, they, they can hit him. Um, so you take away his primary and then and then say, you know what, yeah, here you go. Here's eight guys in the box. We dare you to try to throw to DJ Moore. Go for it. And then if Tariq Willen ends up with a pick or two, so be it. So Sam, Earth, Sam, go. Sam Darnold is the projected starter for this game. Yes. He's got 164 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. That's who we are going to be facing. Yeah, he's like a 57 or something, 8% completion rate passer, dude. He got benched earlier this year. And he, even didn't when know, benched, he, he only started one game. I remember Baker Mayfield he, started and P.J. Walker ah, started. Well, I mean, like, let me put it this way. He didn't necessarily get benched, but he was on the roster and they traded for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Okay, so that's not necessarily benching, but it's not a great sign of confidence. <laughs> their their right. leading receiver is D.J. Moore with 46 yeah, receptions. Every yeah. Everyone else has, obviously, a lot of those receptions are gone with McCaffrey. But their next highest reception is uh, 18, 17, 17, 14, and 11. So yeah. they, they don't have a guy that's doing a great job of getting their wide receivers the ball. Nope. And so like that means we could get, like, that's, that's a big plus as far as us being able to try to stop their run. And, like, again, like, and we could only do that because of who Tariq Willen is and has become, and, and even Michael Jackson on the other side. I want to like I know we're supposed to talk about the Panthers, but I do want to take a quick pivot to Tariq. I remember early in the season we were talking about man, no one's going to throw to his side anymore, and he's gotten two interceptions in the last two games. Well, one was a running back throwing the ball. <laughs> he still caught the ball. They still, I know, I'm just they, still like... they still, they still thought, hey, we're going to get it over this rookie. He, you didn't bite on that first wildcat play, but we'll get him the second time. Yeah. Um, he got another one last game, and and I mean he 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 blew it a couple. I mean there was some crossing routes he didn't cover great last game, but he seemed to get better as the game went on. You have to take your lumps and like learn, right? He's going to get better and better and better. He's he's learning that his he's learning what his his amazing speed can and can't do. He was kind of dragging on a couple crossing routes last game and like dragging a little bit too far behind, and it looks like he thought what he was going to do was bait somebody. Um, but he's learning that even Wolford, who doesn't have an arm like you noted earlier, Sammy, um, even Wolford in the NFL is still an NFL quarterback, and he can still make that pass better than most college quarterbacks could. So he didn't have the time to, to catch up on those crossing routes. You could do that more on the deep routes because you can use your length, but on the crossing routes, he's got to learn to stay, stay in tight. Yeah, I agree. Uh, final thoughts before we get into some predictions. Uh, Sam Darnold. That's all. Yeah. Former first round pick bench traded for with for another first round pick. It's a pretty 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 bad career so far. Yeah, not not so good. Uh before we get right. to our predictions, I want to ask, uh what was everyone's thought about DK motioning Jalen to follow him when he uh motioned from right to left? <laughs> I wish the I wish it was more obvious cuz that could that would have been like a super great forever meme. Um, 
but the fact that it's you can't quite tell what he's doing it's it's not a great visual but it was really funny it was hilarious and for him to get the game winner i thought it was a great game for dk yeah 20 yards and the the game winning touchdown like that was not an easy catch either because ramsey was all over him yeah I, i honestly didn't expect him to make the catch yeah, it's almost it's almost that risky throw where you're throwing it into high traffic that if it's not secured, it gets popped up and then someone grabs it really easily. Yeah, hell of a throw, though. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into some predictions. Uh, Ross, I'm going to hit you up first. Final score, Panthers versus the Seahawks. Sixteen-thirteen. 16-13. Ooh, that's a low-scoring game. Yikes. 27-17. 27. I, that, that, that's a little bit more comfortable. I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, I think the offense is going to do well. I think they're going to score 28 points, and I think the, def- the, the Panthers are going to be a little limited. And even though they could run the ball, I think they're going to be... uh, My hope is that they're chasing points, so it's going to be a 28-14 game Seahawks. I like it. Ross, uh, we don't know who our running backs are going to be. We don't know how healthy all of them are. Homer apparently is going to be be good to go. But over under 14.5 rushing attempts by our running backs. Over. Over. Zab. Over, not by much. Uh, I I hope that it's over. I'm I'm not confident, but uh, I I will also go over as well. Uh, Ross over under thirty one and a half passing attempts for Gino. Under, under. All right, Zeb. I'll take the under also. I'm going to go with the over. Uh, even though I think the Seahawks are going to rush for more than 15 times, I, th- I still think they're going to pass the ball uh, a crap ton. Uh, and, Ross, over under 170.5 yards combined between Tyler and DK. Both of these guys are having you know, pretty solid years. They're not going to put up monster, monster numbers, but uh, combined, 170.5 receiving yards. I'm going to go under. I sense a big tight end game actually coming up. I wouldn't mind that. Zeb, what about you? You feeling DK and Tyler blowing up again? Uh, I mean, it's probably unlikely, but I'm going over because it's what I want, and what I want is important to me. What? Yeah, I'm going to go over, but what I'm going to do is, we, we. this is the first game where we really saw where both of them were getting the ball evenly, but there was a lot of plays where the ball... they. They were clearing out the ball for one for each other. Like Tyler's first touchdown, DK just takes the guy and just takes him downfield, and it just opens everything up underneath for, for Tyler. I think instead what we're going to see is we're going to see whoever plays opposite because Caroline has two corners, one's pretty shitty. Whoever lines up against that, they're the one that's going to have the monster day. So they're going to go over, but it's because it's going to be heavily weighted towards one of them, DK not, or, or Tyler. I like it. Good insight. Final prediction. Ross, over under two and a half targets against Mr. Tariq Woolen. He only had three registered targets in the previous game. One catch, two deflections, and an interception. I'm going to say over. 
Yeah, Darnold's not smart enough to avoid him, and it will be his downfall. Over. Uh, I'm going to say well under. I I will be surprised if Tariq gets targeted at all this game, not because I don't think Darnold... I just don't think Darnold's comfortable throwing to other people, looking at his numbers. I think think that a smart offensive coordinator, and again, we could put that in quotes, should not be testing Tariq Willen. At this point, on anything, yeah, on a crossing route, on a drag route, sure, try and hit him underneath, and maybe, you know, you, you think you'll get the angle or you'll get a pick play. But a post, a corner, a comeback, he's just doing such a good job with his recovery and his understanding of his length. I, I, I just don't think teams will be wise to press him like that. And gentlemen, those are our predictions for the day. That's our podcast. What a show. Good stuff. You good, know? good stuff. Uh, before we get to some shout-outs, final thoughts? Let's go out there and get this division. Yeah, please. That would be nice. It would be a great way to end 2022. It really does feel a bit, I mean, a lot like 2012 to me. Like the fact that the Niners are a game ahead of us. You know, like come we're coming down to the wire here. We, I think we played the Rams in the in the final week that season as well. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see that uh, that uh, Christmas Eve versus the Chiefs is going to be uh, a tough one. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but it is time for some shoutouts, gentlemen. Uh, who'd you like to shout out this evening? Shout out to uh, Michael Bay, Ben Affleck, jo- Josh Hartnett, Kate Beckinsale, Jennifer Garner, Alec Baldwin, Cuba Gooding Jr., John Voight, Tom Sizemore, and Dan Aykroyd, and the entire cast of Is that a Pearl Harbor thing? <laughs> <laughs> once, no I, once I heard Michael Bay and Ben Affleck, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a Pearl Harbor. Yeah, kudos to them. <laughs> kudos to them. The Ouch. three and a half hour love triangle interrupted by the per- attack on Pearl Harbor, I believe. Yeah, I never saw it. <laughs> Ross, yes. any shout outs? Uh, yeah, I have a couple. Uh, shout out to, again, like I said, the Bostic, to all of Santa's elves who are working hard. Shout out to my friend Yumi, who has made me so proud the last couple of weeks. She's just been doing some amazing kick ass stuff. Uh, really got me through just a couple, a couple of hard days, especially yesterday as well. Couldn't be doing this podcast today without her helping me yesterday. Oh, shout, um, out shout out to Yumi then. Big shout out and and shout out to Tony for uh, keeping it real and keeping stuff going on in a little phone debate we had earlier today. We actually were able to keep it pretty calm for the once first time in a couple of years. <laughs> so thanks for that, Tony. Cooler heads prevail. All right. Well, shout out to Tony and Birdfinger for chiming in on the chat. Um, shout out to Zeb and Ross. We are the Hawkscast.net podcast. We want you to check us out. Go to the website while it's around. Check us out on Twitter while you're not locked out at Seahawks Podcast and Seahawks Forum. This is going to be a really fun game. This will be another sign of what are things to come, but I'm looking forward to it, and I wish you all a Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.